A happy ending? This one's going to end with you spitting blood in their eyes as they laugh at your smashed open face. You want happy? Then don't miss. And we welcome you back to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. And I'm Ethan Maestri. This is a continuation of our last episode, Ouroboros Part 1. And so this one is quite aptly named Ouroboros Part 2. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, there actually is no Ouroboros Part 2 in the Andromeda series. So this is kind of something extra that we have done. If you listen to the last episode, then you know uh, what we're doing. But in case you forgot, or if you haven't listened to the last one, well, first of all, stop this. Go back and listen to the last one, episode 34, our discussion of Ouroboros, and then uh, come back and listen to this one. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're basically we're having an informal discussion mm-hmm. about what? This is the coda. And if you don't know what the coda is, uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf uh, wrote this. It's sort of a, a one-act play style of a writing, and uh, he promised this to the fans after his departure of the show that he would finish his vision for the show in some form. And when it came down to it, this is what he decided to uh, to write. And as he revealed to us in our interview with him, um, he wrote this after the completion of the Andromeda series. Right. So everything else from Last week's episode, Ouroboros, mm-hmm. that we discussed, everything from now on is is sans his influence. Mm-hmm. So he waited till after the next two and a half seasons? Well, I don't know want to say if, Three and a if half it was seasons. sans his influence, but it was definitely far less his influence. Mm-hmm. His, well, he he didn't have any part in helming the show. Not anymore. Right. But, I mean, they're, well, he, they're okay. still oh, where I, he I got get, started. I get what you're saying. His influence is his there. His influence, but not directly. He, right. He, his hands are no longer on this. Yes. I think okay. we've established that. Okay. okay. All right. Well, I mean, it's misleading. I just wanted to clear that up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, how are we going to do this? What, what, what are we doing okay. for this discussion? All right. So, what we're, what we're not going to do our, our regular format of trivia and summary and, and observations. We're just going to kind of talk about this a little bit and see what we can get out of it as far as what Robert Hewitt Wolf had really envisioned yeah and, and i would i would just like to say right here mm-hmm. uh, you i think you mentioned it before i kind of had tuned you out briefly there <laughs> thanks kind of like the way you do <laughs> me uh-huh. when i'm talking we've talked about this before <laughs> don't get offended no no not. i think we've talked about this before though right anyway so uh, i i would i just wanted to say if you had like you said if you haven't read the the coda mm-hmm. uh Let's have this in our our notes, our show notes. Yeah. The link to yes, it, definitely. And, and if you see that link there, uh, good job, Ryan, for getting that accomplished. And click on that link and go ahead and read through that coda. If Way you're following to go, along future with me, yeah, and, and read through that mm-hmm. because it is kind of an unusual reading. Yeah, the way it's presented as a as a one scene play, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is kind of cool. But right. I haven't gone to much theater. You're more the, the theater type. Having the background, mm-hmm. the the thespian, but uh, anyway, uh, read it, pick us up, 
back here again as as we go forward in this discussion. Right. And then you'll be much more informed about mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Yeah, so we will uh, put a link to that on our Podbean website along with this show. And uh, if, if you don't want to do that, you can go Google it. Just look up Robert Hewitt Wolf uh, Coda. That's how I found it the first time. And there's a number of different links that'll uh, that'll get you there. So yeah, like Ethan said, once you have read the, uh, the coda, uh, then then come back and listen to this episode. And if you happen to be someone that has not seen Andromeda all the way through, I don't know if there is anyone like that. Ethan, do you know of anyone? I raised my hand. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so if you haven't seen Andromeda all the way through, um, some of this, I guess, could possibly be viewed as sort of a spoiler, um, but not really. I, I think you're safe with the way that we're going to handle this, because... Well, good, considering how I, I've already read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, anything in this discussion that could be considered spoiler really isn't, because so much of this are things that could happen, might not happen. Because, uh, you know, again, this is Robert Hewitt Wolf's vision for where the show would have gone had he stayed. So if some of this stuff does happen to stay with what happens ultimately in the series, it doesn't necessarily mean it's spoiler because there's also a lot of things that don't. And we're not going to tell you which things do or do not happen in the actual series of Andromeda. Not even if I ask? No, especially not if you ask. Okay. All right. Uh, So I have been warned that there's nothing really to be afraid of in this discussion. No, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, That being said, I apologize if this does sound... If my notes and the way I express them doesn't sound very well put together. Basically, what I did is I read through the coda Mm -hmm. and then put my thoughts as they came to me down as i read through okay so it's not like i've got specific talking points it's just ruminations on the coda basically is what i've got here okay so i may have some off off the wall questions you may have to look at me funny and say i can't answer that all right i can handle that okay okay uh so to break it down basically what we've got uh if you've already read it then you know it's uh harper and trance they're talking in the OBS deck of the Andromeda, apparently this is right at the moment where Trance, Gold Trance, is trying to decide whether to save Harper or Hoon. Yes. So there's this whole sort of uh, fourth dimension moment here where she is meditating. And she's, yeah, so she's it, purple again. Yeah, and- I like how it was presented. Harper was like... So, am I real? And she's like, well, this is a possible version of you. Mm-hmm. You're not... You're real, but you're not really real. <laughs> this is... We have stepped outside of the norm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and she has her tail back. Yeah. Which Harper clues in on. Mm-hmm. Kind of sets the... Sets the... Uh... Yeah, okay. All right. So, here's my first question. <laughs> All right. Okay. How does that work? She's Gold Trance about to decide to save Harper or Hoon. Mm-hmm. But uh, she she's in this moment, in this... Uh, out of body experience. Mm-hmm. She's presenting herself as purple trance. Mm-hmm. Now, one, I understand why Robert Hewitt Wolf would have done this because he did not want the change to trance that mm-hmm. took place. Uh, but it happened. Mm-hmm. So he he resets it. He goes back to purple trance. But you know why is that? Why is she presenting herself to Harper, not Harper in this in this guise? Well, you know what. I- 
when you say that, you know what it makes me think of is in our last discussion of Ouroboros, we were trying to figure out when they switched, where did Purple Trance go? Right. Well, maybe she went here. The purgatory? <laughs> the what? whatever this is? Mm-hmm. The waiting room? The galactic <laughs> waiting room? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. No, no. Just this, this other dimension, this no, that, other that, place, this other plane of existence. You, if you're going to accept Robert Hewitt Wolf's coda as part of the Andromeda canon, yeah, I guess that's a legitimate place that Purple Trance could have run off to. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't explain how she got her tail back. Yeah, it doesn't. No. But, I mean, you know, it's all just... Trance evidently has made these changes on the outside for other people. Right. Because uh, ultimately, it doesn't really matter how Trance looks. Right. Well, <laughs> no, not to her, but evidently it does to others. True. I mean, she, re- she reveals toward the end of this coda why she lost the tail in the first place. She allowed the tail to be shot off. Yeah. Okay. It made people more comfortable if she didn't have a tail. Right. So maybe some people were more comfortable around her if she appeared to be gold and more mature. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> we're spitballing here. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> okay. We we don't know the answers to these questions. So right. it's, it's purely speculation. All right, so I'm pretty so sure that's, that's what it is. So that's the setup. Harper encounters Purple Trance on the ops deck. Now, Trance starts to go into the details of, uh, well, the, the first thing that I have written down is she starts explaining basically the history of her people versus, uh, is it the Spirit of the Abyss's people, I yeah. guess? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. that's essentially what it comes down to. Um, and, whoa, Trance is on the side of hatred no or boredom it's worse than hatred <laughs> it's worse than hatred yes boredom mm-hmm. okay so she's on okay from from our moral human viewpoint uh she's on the bad side at least if you don't know how the series ends up mm-hmm. well like i do so i'm reading this and i'm like wow she's on the side that can't stand order and love that sounds bad mm-hmm. <laughs> And then, and then the other side obviously is is the spirit of the abyss and his cronies, and you know they represent love. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. But well, yeah, it I does, mean that's know. what's so strange about it is that if the abyss is supposed to be love, and what love means is that everything is in perfect order, everything is all in one singular point in. In, I don't want to say space, because there really is no space. Right. Right? It's just it's the singularity, this point. Right, which we'll expand on that, is the point before the Big Bang. Right. It, it, whatever existence the universe is in before it explodes into its current state, mm-hmm. that's the state that the spirit of the abyss wants to exist in. Right. And so somehow that is supposed to be love, whereas Trance and her people... They like, you know, all the spinny stuff. <laughs> and explosions. Yeah. And 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 life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. I just speaking as a human, um, that I guess if this is if pretending put let's putting ourselves in this universe, if we are human living in this universe of Andromeda, I'm gonna be rooting for trance 
Because her chaos... Allows you to exist. Right. Yeah. So, it, I don't know. It's, like you say, it's just from our from our perspective, right. it seems like Trance is right. really the good it, guys. Yeah. And so, so, still coming at it from our perspective, mm-hmm. uh, less so standing in the Andromeda universe, but looking at it from mm-hmm. the outside looking in. It brings me to one of my first interesting observations okay. about this coda. It's interesting that, that for love to exist in its pre-Big Bang universe, when it's in that condensed singular state, the stability and the unity that it is that is supposedly was there, it's funny that it's eventually viewed as being a bad thing and a drawback and being boring. Mm-hmm. You know, I just thought that was that's kind of interesting. That's, right, that and would be the point of view that, it, that it, people would take. Right, it made me think of Captain Kirk. I need my pain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't understand this idea that without without pain and without work. And without anguish and without trouble, life is just boring. Right. <laughs> I think I think of life like that. I think it sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> right. But again, that's my perspective yeah. from where I am right now. Yeah. So that sounds like a pretty good life. Of course, no room for humans in that kind of life as according to this universe. But Right, right. So in that state, uh, people got bored. And they called themselves the Light Bringers, mm-hmm. or as Trance brings out in the Latin, Lucifers. Hmm. <laughs> That's an interesting take. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I think that that name has been in some some writings before. Some that we're perhaps familiar with in this world that we live in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Outside of Andromeda. I, I don't know a lot of literature, but I'm pretty sure I've heard that name somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's there's theirs is the side that. Blew up, and I'm using air quotes here. Blew up heaven is the, mm-hmm. is what Trance says, and that is how the Andromeda universe came into existence. And they relished in now the lack of boredom because of how'd you put it, spinning things, right? Yeah, and explosions. That's uh-huh. that's, that's great. Um, yeah. So this is we have a reason. Uh, what do you call this in the plot? This is the this is the engine of the plot, right? The engine of. What? <laughs> oh, we're, we're getting to that. Not talking I'm about not that talking yet. about that yet. Okay. I'm just talking. Right. This is this is this is why we have conflict, mm-hmm. right? Right. This is the the driving force. This is the yeah. Uh, what, what are you trying to say? I'm I'm just saying. Okay, yeah. So this is this is why we have this struggle between the spirit of the abyss okay. and Trance's mm-hmm. side, right? Of anti boredom or whatever <laughs> whatever you want to call that, right? Mm-hmm. So okay, yeah, chaos, yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- this is why the conflicts that we see in Andromeda are taking place. Right. At least according to Robert Hewitt Wolf. Right. All right. And you know, uh, it's interesting. We, we have all these different characters that we have come to know and love. And according to this coda, they all have a very special place in, in how this is all supposed to end up as far as the possible futures that Trance and her people see. Or any the, the the perfect possible future that they see, um, but even then it doesn't seem like they're they're still not dead set on one specific way because because she still kind of goes back and forth, you know maybe these people could die but these people could live, but these people could live but these people would have to die. Yeah, she kind of comes across first as saying this is the way everything has to happen, but maybe not. <laughs> Maybe we can tweak this here, mm-hmm. you know, pull this thread over here. And this is before she's really kind of going back 
on the original plan. Yeah. It just kind of sounds like there's more than one way, but what I'm doing now definitely isn't part of it. Yeah. So, and that's come, coming back to that's the decision that she's making to allow Harper to live versus home, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah, you're right. She's playing favorites. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. They they obviously have this outline for what needs to happen, but yeah, she's she's making a, an audible, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? To to use some sports parlance there. <laughs> so you know, again, and not not going into what does or does not happen uh, further on in the Andromeda series. But just based on this coda, um, can we talk a little bit about what happens to each of our characters? What is the possible fate? Yeah, absolutely. As far as Trance sees it at this point. Um, of course, Dylan, you know Dylan has got to be a central character. Get, because she brings it up before we start talking about the characters. Can we just talk about the engine of which we have not spoken yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. So, engine of creation. Right. Okay, so now we have... This is a thing. We've, we've finished thought. The, the engine of what? <laughs> the, the engine, engine of, of what, yeah. Now we know. The engine of creation. Yeah. And and so, obviously, this thing was supposed to play a much bigger role in the storytelling, mm-hmm. at least in Robert Hewitt Wolf's version of it. Mm-hmm. You've indicated we will revisit the idea of this at some point. Mm-hmm. And even what very, very little that we do know about this engine of creation is we do know that Becca is looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's true we have not heard the complete phrase engine of creation, but she know we know that she's looking for something that starts with engine of. Yes. So it stands to reason this is what she's looking for. She's yes. looking for Tarn Vedra to find the engine of creation because that's evidently where she believes it is. Right. And so this device is used, as, as it's been explained in this coda, is a, de- a device designed to ensure the perpetual exploding and eventual imploding of the universe. So it just perpetuates the cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they call that? Perpetual motion machine? <laughs> is that what we... I don't know. Maybe that... a maybe a Ouroboros? There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. It all makes sense. Yeah. It all ties together. So anyway, that's the purpose of the engine of creation. Yeah, it, as you alluded to, evidently it, it, it possesses extraordinary power. I want to ask. Okay. You're probably not going to answer, because we're coming up on that episode, I don't know, five or six episodes from now, I think, when we actually see it on the TV show. Is the way it's portrayed here in the coda, is that what we're going to get in the future episode? Hmm, I don't remember. Okay, dang it. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> okay, so I guess on to the characters then. Okay. Um, Dylan, we know that he has to be a central figure into the overall story arc of this. I mean, it, it's obvious, right? From from the first episode, you know it's all about Dylan. Uh, he's supposed to restore the Commonwealth and just kind of just bring everybody together in this huge ultimate conflict, this, this massive uh, intergalactic war. Tyr is supposed to become the leader of all the Nietzscheans, basically, become a, a great military leader of the Nietzscheans. He unites the Nietzscheans, uh, somehow involves this involves his son trance uh, let, lets us lets us in on that much anyway what he's gonna have a son yeah uh, we kind of figured that was gonna happen <laughs> and rev he continues on his uh his spiritual path he becomes a leader mm-hmm yeah right basically it's a whole new um power in the galaxies right yeah, yeah. yeah it's a it becomes a galactic power in itself really the the wayest yeah so Harper 
<laughs> this is interesting, right? Well, r- remember, Harper is our everyman, right? Uh-huh. He- he's the one that has to suffer the most pain and difficult situations, usually. Mm-hmm. It's so much worse for him. He just, he loses himself in his <laughs> <Yes>. work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one way to put it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, basically, he becomes machine. And, yeah. And uh, the leader of the consensus uh, of parts. You remember that? What? Yeah. What? From season one? It mm-hmm. had it was supposed to have a bearing yeah. on the future of the show, huh? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it still might. Okay. Remember, no spoilers. Right, no spoilers. You're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, so Harper becomes the ghost in the machine, mm-hmm. essentially. <laughs> right. Yeah, because uh, his, his biological functions basically cease. Yeah. Uh, Harper, as we know him, dies. I guess. Do, do you think? Does he really die? Does his consciousness still live on? Well, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. She's getting at. Eventually, she she comes out, and yeah, you 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 give the consensus of parts uh, your personality, so that it is able to take on uh, and become more than just you know ones and zeros making you know logic decisions, and, and at the end of that. At first, Harper's response is like mine. It's, well, that sounds awful. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the discussion, he's like, eh, okay, this doesn't sound terrible. Do we have growth in Harper? <laughs> we, we just <laughs> might. <laughs> wow. Even in the coda. Man. Wow, that's pretty cool. I just think it's interesting how Trant says that the perfect possible future for me and my brothers and sisters wasn't necessarily the best of all possible worlds for you. And so, one or multiples of our heroes in whatever future ends up happening, it's not going to be the best situation for them. And in some cases, they die horribly mm. <laughs> or badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, you have to assume that Harper is probably first in line. Mm. <laughs> because like you said, Dylan's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think is interesting about that observation and Robert Hewitt Wolf putting the that in his coda is essentially from a production standpoint for the show he couldn't touch Kevin Sorbo <laughs> you know yeah you see where yeah. I'm going with that uh-huh. it's like he was always going to be there from start to finish right and, and so he acknowledges that in Trance's perfect possible future mm-hmm. Dylan's always there you know I thought that was kind of an interesting little it, it wasn't a I don't think it was a dig on his part but it kind of Considering his attitude toward the show after he left, kind of feels like one, you know? Well, I mean, he could have killed him off. He could have. He had the opportunity. But uh, But, I guess he's staying true to his word. But he also alludes to the fact that in some of these possible futures, Dylan becomes the the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Which I think is kind of his, you know, yeah, there Mm -hmm. you go. He's not the the perfect leader Mm -hmm. that the show ends up... He's not the messiah that the show ends up making him out to be. Maybe. That's a... May, in some possible futures. <laughs> right. Which we may or may not see. Right. You know, you you think Harper ends badly. Let's talk about Becca for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Her, her ambition gets the better, better of her, doesn't okay. it? Yeah. But here again, Wolf makes Dylan sound like he's always going to be there. That makes it sound like Dylan is the linchpin. But really, Becca's the linchpin mm-hmm. in all of this, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Because her perfect possible future, uh, wow, Becca becomes the abyss. 
she gets absorbed into or she allows herself to be absorbed into it mm-hmm. so that she is able to, I guess, allow the abyss to have a more perfect or more well-rounded idea of love. I mean, is that what I did? I did I read that accurately? Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is. And it, and it all comes back to the engine of creation. Uh, every time she uses it, it takes so much power to use that that it just takes a little bit more of her. Yeah, and what did they indicate? She'd used it to restore a planet? Uh, uh, planets. Re- planets. Right, uh, yeah. Re- to restore persons back to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she had obviously been trying to change outcomes, you know, pull certain strings so that certain things could happen, right? Mm-hmm. But it, in the end, it all... it. It came across to me as as if it was still, regardless of what thread she pulled, it still kind of unraveled anyway on her, to an extent. Okay, well, yeah, I guess I guess what I took from that was just that the the more she used it, the more it took her in, it, the more she depended on it. I guess kind of like Flash, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well. the kind of like uh, kind of like the mask. You mean like Jim Carrey, the mask? Uh Uh-huh, Okay, like that movie. Right, it was fun at first, right? Yeah. And then the more he used it, the more it took him over. Kind of took over his personality. Right, Yeah. got him into a lot of trouble. Okay, that makes perfect sense then. Okay. Okay, so Becca, the more she uses the engine of creation, the more influence it has on her personality. And so in the end, yeah, she she, she loses herself. I kind of see this as... What happened to Harper and Becca in this is pretty much the same thing. Except yeah. One is mechanical and the other is more mm, metaphysical. Yeah. Kind of, really. Okay. Yeah. And it just, it takes her, it takes over Becca. Yeah. And then she gets to this point where I guess she just decides, just let herself go to to the abyss. Right. Which is, you know, we say it's a bad thing. It, it, it really isn't the way Trans presents it because mm-hmm. she... Um, Basically brings a balance, a sense of balance to the universe, mm-hmm. right? Right. So the cycle ends. the 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 people in the anti boredom camp get their chaos and and lack of boredom, but love is a, it's a more encompassing view of love that allows life to exist. Mm-hmm. So okay, that's not so bad. Yeah, I think Harper says that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, except that Becca dies. Right. Kind of. Right. Becca, as we know her. Yeah. So, yeah, Becca dies. Okay, is, is that how the series is going to end? I know you can't answer that. But <laughs> I can't tell you that. I, I want to know. Um, well, <laughs> just stick around a couple more years. Okay. Um, there was one thing that Trance, we have all these characters, and another one that she mentioned was Rami herself. Uh, basically says, no matter what happens, Rami, Andromeda, the ship, is the most beautiful, most powerful starship ever and it it would seem that Rami is even more untouchable than Dylan right but it, it, he also made the point in that that Rami's always by Dylan's side yeah so is that why Rami is insured safe travels all the way through this these different possible futures i don't know cuz here's what i'm thinking okay if they know Rami's safe why would any of them ever get off the ship? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Good question. I, I'm staying here. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. I don't care what happens to the rest of the universe, and it, and that in itself is kind of a contradiction because Rami's safe no matter what, unless 
all of this other stuff doesn't happen and the entire universe implodes back on itself, what do you have? This point singularity and then Andromeda <laughs> over here? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I kind of think, think, I think Andromeda is going to get sucked into that too. Right, right, right. right. Okay. Yeah. I, I want to come back to uh, Harper and his perfect possible future involving him being basically a disembodied spirit of a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, Trance makes the observation where she says, I couldn't create a future where that happened to you. So I tried to find another way, a way that was easier, happier, more appealing, less complicated. Those are her words. A more appealing future sounds an awful lot to me reading this after the fact, after the show has ended. It sounds an awful lot like a conversation that may or may not have happened in the production boardroom (laughs) (laughs) about the future of Andromeda as a TV show Mm -hmm. at some point, you know? Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I can't read this coda without a little bit of melancholy. Okay. We talked about it before, or, or... well, maybe we haven't talked about it. I I put a poll out there on Facebook. There's a, a group of, of Andromeda mm-hmm. fans out there. And I put a question out there. Would Andromeda have been a better series had Robert Hewitt-Wolf stayed versus what the, the series ended up being? Mm-hmm. And the majority of the, of the people voted, the ones that did vote, voted for, it would have been better had Robert Hewitt-Wolf stayed. Had this version uh, or, or this glimpse of what we got of his version of the Andromeda universe with the coda, had that been able to play out, they thought that would have been a better story. And, and so I can't read that without there being a little bit of eh, melancholy about the fact that this story is now going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's somebody else's baby now, you know, but uh, at the same time, I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, it trance reveals a little bit, uh, at least is in this version of the universe. Uh, just as far as the the nature of her people and what they are, it's kind of interesting because we don't really have any of that to this point in the series, right? So you know, it's kind of interesting to see. This is one of those things well, we know they love chaos. Yeah, we do have the introduction of the other thing on the other planet mm-hmm. that introduced right. chaos into the into the mix, right? Uh, as far seems as seems to be their mo. Yeah, but as far as what they actually are, right? Um, we kind of get a little bit of a glimpse into that mm. uh, when they cause this great big explosion. Right? There's all this matter. What's the matter? Everything. <laughs> Everything's matter. <laughs> uh, okay, so you have this this huge explosion of matter and energy. Uh, they they absorb all the energy, and just they're burning with it. They become stars. Yes. So this is how they exist in this universe. The light bringers. Lucifer. Yeah, they're bringing the light. Yeah. Right. And so then, I guess this happens all the time. This cycle happens. Explosion, implosion, explosion, implosion. They they usually serve out this cycle as stars. Yeah. Right? Uh, except this time. This time they created... Avatars. Mm-hmm. Their their fleshly avatars are able to stay connected to the stars which they represent. Which apparently the stars maintain their consciousness, maintain their knowledge. So is that how Harper is able to download the library into a star? Ooh, maybe. Okay, that's good. 
Anyway. I still don't know how he got it out, though. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, I would like to store some of my knowledge in you, Ryan. Okay. And I'd like to retrieve it later. All right. How? Well. Well, just tell me. Okay. And then I'll try to remember it and tell it back to you later. Yeah. How many, how many times have you looked at your wife and said, hey, re- help me remember this? Uh-huh. It never works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, sidebar. Yeah. Going back so to your yeah. So there, the avatar is connected to the star through slipstream. Okay. Yeah. So now we have another use of slipstream besides yeah. travel. Right. Uh, they can also stars can control their avatars. Uh, celestial bodies. Yes. Can co- can control their avatar <laughs> bodies. <laughs> is that it? That's that's the long and the short of it. Of the coda, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there's um, Harper mentioned Sifra. What's Sifra? I have no idea. Okay, I've heard uh, one of the actors we interviewed said something about Sifra. I had no clue. Hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out about it. Okay. Sometime in the future. Okay. Maybe season five. It sounded like it sucked, but <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens. Well, it's interesting that our <laughs> trance basically says. Yeah, that's one possible future. Probably not likely. So, like you say, there's some. You think there are some digs? There's some digs. I think that's a dig. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, when we get to that, I think you'll understand that a little better. Um, he, Robert Hewitt Wolf does not shy away from the from the spiritual things. Right. He's always allowed for things like uh, wayism, Rev Bim. Uh, he doesn't present Rev Bim as just being some crazy lunatic that's holding on to these ancient superstitions. In this universe, it seems to be something real. And then Harper has all these very poignant questions for Trance. Are you the devil? <laughs> Is the Abyss God? <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, of course she explains, no, the Abyss is not God. If there is a God, it's something much, much bigger than any of us. I thought that was an interesting explanation. Yeah, yeah. Rather than just dismissing the idea of a supreme higher being, mm-hmm. she she puts it that way. Okay, yeah, we are these incredibly powerful beings. We're not all there is. Right, right. So... That was kind of interesting. It, it, so many of these futuristic st- sci-fi shows um, just kind of take all of that spiritualism completely out of the equation. Yeah, I thought it was interesting too, but I guess... Are, are, are we coming down to the what we thought about this? Well, we do have a quote. Yeah, let's okay. go with the quote and then we'll come back to it. Okay, so the quote is... A happy ending? This one's going to end with you spitting blood in their eyes as they laugh at your smashed open face. You want happy? Then don't miss. This is Major Corgo Corgar, the last of the Lancers, 32 AFC. <laughs> so evidently this is uh, toward the end of the war. And wow, mm-hmm. how bleak yeah. does that sound? Which, I mean, ultimately what I take away from this coda mm-hmm. is in part what is in that saying right there. Mm-hmm. It's it's bleak. You, the, you know, the best you can hope for is to be able to spit in their face and hit. <laughs> you know, spit your own blood in their face is what it sounds like. Um, and then at the same time, I'm reflecting on where Robert Hewitt Wolf would have been at the time that he wrote this. Uh, and, and it's, you almost feel like 
he wants to be spitting in <laughs> in the faces of some executives at Tribune, you know? Uh-huh. Is that not kind of the impression that you take away from it? Uh, no, you seem to be focusing on the production side of this a lot more than I am. But <laughs> well, I, I'm trying. To, I'm trying uh-huh. to balance my my viewpoint between what happened in the creation of the show and Robert Hewitt Wolf's creation of this universe. Right. You know. Okay. And I, I think it. You're kind of doing a disservice if you take one without the other. Okay. Because it just to me it feels like. They have an influence on each other, mm-hmm. at, at least at this point, right. at the time that this coda is being written. You know, this Lancer is talking about the Commonwealth. This is what right. he's fighting for. But what he's saying holds true even for what Trance is fighting for or what she's trying to accomplish. She knows that there are very, very difficult things that have to happen, difficult decisions that have to be made. This Lancer says, you know, the only way for a happy ending or really there is no happy ending really i mean mm-hmm. was what he's saying it's just going to be life isn't father knows best anymore <laughs> you yeah. know it's a kick in the face with a steel-toed kodiak work boot yeah jim carrey has got some great some great credits yeah that have contributed to this to this episode oh yeah well i mean it all works so it does. <laughs> um but you see what what trance is having to deal with here is She's got to choose, or it seems that she's got to choose between who gets to live, who has to die, or even if they do live, who has to have a really bad, rough life. Uh, Maybe they wish they were dead. For these things to work out for this perfect possible future, none of it's going to come easy Yeah, for anybody. Some people are going to get worse than others. And that's kind of just what this this Lancer is saying. Anytime yeah. you you have something that are something that's so big like this, something that is way bigger than yourself, there's probably sacrifices that have to be made if you really want this outcome to happen. That's kind of what I take from it. Yeah. No, I I, I would agree. Okay, so I guess now we can move on to our thoughts on the coda. Uh, so we have talked about this extensively off off air mm-hmm. at different points as we knew we were coming up to this. Uh, I think your observation was, had this been where Andromeda had gone, we might not be having this podcast at all. Yeah, maybe not. And I understand. I agree with you because, and I'll just, I'll you know, here it is out in the open. To my Christian sensibility... <laughs> The idea that we're watching the devil and that we are rooting for the devil, uh, you know, it's 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 something contrary to what I could agree with, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but taking that out of the equation, I, I can look at this and say it would have been an interesting story. It, it would have been entertaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ultimately, isn't that what everything in the universe wants is to not be bored? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Except for the abyss. There you go. It likes being bored. Um, (laughs) You know, the thing, you mentioned the poll, and I wanted to save this for this point. You said that the the majority of your results were people would have liked this show better had Robert Wolf stayed on, and we got this as a series. I think it was five votes to one. 
the oh. last time I looked, okay. something like that. Yeah. So an overwhelming majority, <laughs> majority, yeah, <laughs> wanted Robert Hewitt Wolf's vision of. Okay, of yeah, I think this is a, a small sample size, but it's probably representative of of what the majority of Andromeda viewers probably think. Uh, just from things that I've read on forums and other reviews on the internet, it really seems like people are disappointed with where Andromeda went as compared to where the coda indicates it, quote, should have gone. Um, but then at the same time, I'm also thinking, if people were dissatisfied with how Andromeda ended or where it went, this is just an alternative. Right. And so they're thinking, oh, that would have been so much better. Yeah. But we didn't get this. We don't know if maybe this wouldn't have turned out. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we're talking about a show that was already on a limited budget. Mm-hmm. So... You know, who's to say four or five years from now, Robert Hewitt Wolf could have been able to do mm-hmm. everything that he wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like you said, that is something that, that we had talked about. If this had gone this way, would we be doing this podcast right now? And, you know, the thing is, when it comes to certain words like Lucifer, the <laughs> devil... Red flags go off in the back well, of your head. You know, and it's it's not just I'm it's not just you. It's just it's a thing that happens I think a lot of times people are very uncomfortable yeah. with with satanic subject matter. Right. <laughs> well when I don't, you put it that way, it's I don't, really, you I don't said think the S word. Right. I don't think it's too far fetched to say that, right? Yeah. Okay, even no, in no. even in this enlightened world in which we live, when people bring up Satan, people Kind of cringe a little bit, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, I, and I know I'm not speaking for the entire audience. I know that there are plenty of people who would have absolutely no qualms about this at all. And are, that's are fine. Are you calling some of our listeners devil worshippers? No, 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 no. Of course not. <laughs> no. But, but I, I kind of wonder if, if this is one of the things that made Tribune part ways with Robert Hewitt Wolf, oh, absolutely. If, if they if they knew he had a uh, a devil story in the works, <laughs> you know, maybe they just weren't comfortable with that. You know what? We're having a hard enough time keeping the show in production as it is. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go a different direction. Right. Yeah, I can see that that conversation taking place. Okay. So, what's your thought on it? Okay, but, Brian. Okay, but but all. The devil aside. <laughs> <laughs> hey, does does what was the 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 Star Trek animated episode. Oh, the magic of Magus so Two. Yeah, magic, magic, magics of Magus Two. Did yeah. you ever imagine we would be having to have this conversation with Andromeda? Well, kind of. Okay. All <laughs> After right. I had read the coda, yeah, I figured out this is a conversation we're going to have. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, it, so basically, the my point being in yeah. bringing that up is this isn't new, right? This is, this idea of presenting the devil as being an uh, agent of light right this isn't a new idea in entertainment it's not and and but but i'll say the star trek animated series the magics of megas 2 it i felt like i needed to take a shower after i watched (laughs) that episode because it kind of did the same thing it you know it made it it showed the the devil in an alternative light right right and you know i'm sorry in this society uh we live right in the center of america Known as the Bible Belt, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty much everybody I know kind of 
goes, Ugh. right. When you bring up an idea, like if that. you go on the street corner mm-hmm. in this town in which we live and say, the devil's a good guy, really. <laughs> Why don't you listen to what he has to say? You're probably going to have stuff thrown at you. Right, right. <laughs> people drive by in a vehicle. Uh, but yeah, like I was saying, okay, the devil part aside. Right, right. Um, it's still, I think it's so fascinating to see what Robert Hewitt Wolf's vision was and how he had such grandiose ideas for all of these characters. Yes. They were all going to end up being something huge. Legends. Yeah, they really were. Yeah. And individually, they could have been good on their own, but by bringing them all together, it created this super group. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, they were. Dylan Hunt and the Andromeda crew. And I don't know that that really necessarily changes as far as what we have right now in the universe. Um, but this is definitely, it's just, it's just so big. Yeah. And it, it, and it, it kind of would have been just something really to look forward to, to see how he would have brought all this about. Yeah. I like it. I like the coda. It's interesting. It's kind of like, uh, putting a, a nice little bow on the whole thing. Yeah. Um, except now we have the alternate universe. Right. <laughs> going forward from now. Well, we have canon. Well, I what, mean, what has become canon? Well, this was considered canon. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's only one be- of, only because it doesn't change what actually happened well, on screen. It's one of the possible futures, <laughs> right? Right. So, I mean, I guess anything can be canon, right? If you think of it like that. I'm reading books, and they're considered canon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. Um, Andromeda books, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading. I'm reading books that are taking place in the Andromeda series, and mm-hmm. and yeah, they're considered canon, right? So, anyway, that's my thoughts. That's my take. Yeah. Okay. Um, listeners, let us know what you think. What are your thoughts on the coda and uh, any other episode that we've covered to this point and just the whole universe that we've covered to this point? Ethan, how could somebody get a hold of us? Well, uh, they can get a hold of us at drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on the social media, Facebook and Twitter, using the handle at AndromedaPod, both of those places. We're on Podbean. That's where each episode can be found at this time, or www.podbean.andromedaseries.com. And if you're currently listening to us on iTunes, stop what you're doing, go give us a review. We would love to hear a review on iTunes, or at least just give us some stars. We'd appreciate that as well. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for giving us the quote again this week. And you know what? I gotta say, Doug is doing an incredible job. You know what he does each week? What's that? He asks me, now, who is saying this? (laughs) Wow, he's getting in character? He does. He wants to know about the character. I can't wait to hear it when we finally get back on air. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a little dig at Ryan, because we've had some production issues, but, you know, it's, it's... Mostly been beyond his Here's control. Here's a production issue. I'll edit that part out. <laughs> anyway, yes, again, thanks to, to Doug for doing that for us. And we invite you to come back next week as we get back on track with our normal format. As we continue on with the next episode of Andromeda, Lava and Rockets. Lava and Rockets.